Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I'm your host, Rain Coleman, and this issue covers Generation X, Volume 2. Well, Hello and welcome to all you beautiful freaks and geeks, mutants and humans in every other category under the sun. All of you under the sound of my voice, it is but my pleasure as acting headmaster, Rain Coleman of course, to welcome you to the newly relocated Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach here in the wonderful and beautiful and heavily sought after neighborhood of Seneca Village, the African American community that died so that Central Park could live. Central Park was one of Manhattan's earliest African American settlements. In the 1820s, it was unusual for black people to own land in New York. In 1825, 21 parcels of land in uptown Manhattan were sold to African Americans. When slavery was abolished in New York in 1827, the area began to flourish. Known as Seneca Village, it was mostly African-American, but also Irish and German. During the 1840s, Lower Manhattan was overcrowded and unsanitary. Wealthy New Yorkers proposed a park uptown where the rich could live. In 1853, the state expropriated 843 acres, 341 hectares of land for a new public park. The 264 residents of Seneca Village were forced to move to make way for Central Park. Property owners were paid a small sum for their expropriated houses. Their community disappeared and did not resurface in another location. Central Park now welcomes 38 million visitors per year. All right. (laughs) Now that we have that history lesson out of the way, uh, all you faithful listeners had to have known that this was coming. With the release of Generation X this week under Marvel's resurrection line i just had to cover it i just had to so diving right tf in uh generation x we're going to start with the cover this uh the cover i picked up was the standard pink and white cover from the resurrection solicits and i have to say i am very thrilled with this book um of course i grew up reading the original generation x so there are feelings there ugh, that I just don't want to get into right now. Um, but in all seriousness, this is a very interesting looking cover. Like, it's pretty straightforward. A group of oddball kids on the cover, posing, doing what they do. Um, and the creative team is Strain, Pina, and Soberio. And I totally. <laughs> destroy that name my apologies um but also the cover of generation x which i thought was a nice little touch is uh drawn and colored and everything else 
by Terry Dotson and Rachel Dotson, who are of Generation X fame from the first volume. Um, forgive me, I do not know where they started. I'm sure they didn't start on Generation X. Maybe they did. But um, this is classic Dotson artwork. And I have to say, when I was a kid reading Generation X and the artist switched over from Bachalo to um, so many different others and then kind of landed with the Dotson team, I was not a fan. I was like, oh, this is so ugly. This isn't the way, you know, they looked before. I don't like this. But they grew on me. I still have my reservations, but they did grow on me. Uh, I still like to say that it's so interesting seeing now the way Generation X looks or just a Dotson work period, be it Miss Marvel, Avengers, a one shot here, a serious run there. It's still the work looks the same, but it's I don't have that those kid eyes that I had before. So you know, kudos to you, Team Dotson. Um, let's start off with the cast. Uh, jumping right in, Generation X is being led by none other than our favorite Mallrat slash vampire slash I don't know quintessential '80s '90s kid, Jubilation Lee. Um, followed by our girl Bling. Take a look back in the Carefree Black Nerd archives for a episode, or excuse me, an issue covering Bling. Uh, Kid Omega, who is Quentin Choir. Uh, let me see, Nature Girl, Lynn Lee, Morph, Benjamin Deeds, and Hindsight. Name is Nathaniel Carver. And last but not least, I Boy, Trevor Hawkins. Now, um, I have to admit that a lot of these characters I I knew from mm, visual cues alone. Like before I did the Bling episode, um, I looked her over, I saw her here and there. I didn't have a lot of um, a lot of backstory with her. Same thing with Benjamin Deeds. Um, so a lot of these characters, I know them physically from what they look like. Never once in my life have I seen iBoy before the Generation X solicits came out. Quentin Choir was a familiar face, although I've never read anything with him in it. Nature Girl, the same. Jubilee, of course, she is X-Men. And um, Benjamin Deeds from the X-Men run where Cyclops was his uh, his leader slash headmaster, whatever. Uh, so with that being said, I want to go and break down a few of these characters. One, Nature Girl, what I found on her, real name, Lynn Lee. Um, I assume it's Lynn Lee and not Lynn Lai. Last name uh, spelled L-I. She's from Marvel Universe, of course. Um, category, she's a mutant. They listed her nationality as unknown. Now, because I've never come across this character, I am going to give a little leeway with that. Because to me, in every iteration that I've seen her illustrated, she looks Asian. And uh, while reading through this Generation X issue, that remain consistent she looked like an Asian girl um much in the way that Psylocke does well who is clearly Asian so I'm gonna go with that so she's a character of color um she first appeared in Wolverine and the X-Men the second series issue number one now Nature Girl's powers and abilities are that she can mentally communicate with and control flora and fauna so uh, that's going to prove to be very interesting. Uh, I like these type of characters. To me, she reads as like a storm character in the sense that she, of course, um, um, what is it? She participates and controls in nature. 
which is a very big thing in our actual literal universe as in most comic book universes these are usually the people who are some of the most powerful now for this generation x book to be about a group of quirky oddballs i would hope you know and this is just off um reading the first issue that she becomes stronger because i feel like this is like a group of people they threw together who couldn't really not necessarily make it on another team but they're just kind of the breakfast club of the mutants in the marvel universe so i'm looking forward to see what comes from her because she uh she she got the juice now <laughs> um her look like i said she appears to me to be asian um she's a conventionally attractive young girl uh with the only i guess difference that she has two antlers growing out of her head very visually stimulating in the sense that she can be picked out of a crowd if you're drawing like big background scenes of mutants so kudos to you Lindley. um next we're gonna go over iboy um his real name is trevor hawkins he of course is from the marvel universe he is a mutant nationality american he is a white male with long blonde hair um his first appearance was wolverine and the x-men the first series uh number 19 now iboy's powers and abilities are he has eyes covering his body and i mean everywhere from the backs of his hands to his cheeks now we of course haven't seen him like shirtless or anything not in generation x number one so i can't attest to maybe his like chest or stomach having eyes but his arms and hands do um with these eyes he is able to see outside the normal visible spectrum and intuitively interpret visual cues now again i've never read this character to me that reads like maybe he's like a lie detector you know like um the tv show psych where the uh lead guy or the co-lead guy the white guy would like <laughs> kind of pick up on subtle things they get highlighted and help him solve the mystery or whatever so that's kind of where i see it but being in the Marvel Universe, of course, is probably more dramatic than that. Um, and lo looking over these characters, the thing I found funny was that, yes, these are the eyeballs and they have these pretty quirky powers or whatever, but these seem to be some of the strongest players or have the potential to be very strong players in the um, Marvel Universe. Now, that might be where they're headed. And it may very well not be, but like reading over these people, I'm like, yes, his visually eye boy kind of stands out and it might give you like a nauseous feel if he was a real living person, but his power, like there's a lot of untapped potential there. Either that or my uh, imagination is just going on overload right now. Um, quickly, our girl Bling real name Roxanne Roxy Washington she of course is from the Marvel Universe she is a mutant she is an African-American mutant and she first appeared in X-Men the second series issue number 171 Bling's powers and abilities are she has crystallized rock covering her body endowing her with increased strength durability and the ability to blast off small portions of rock from her skin Next up is the pink-haired, half-bald, um, white guy, Quentin Choir, uh, Kid Omega. His name is Quintavious Quinarius Choir. Uh, charge it to my head, not my heart. Um, from Marvel Comics Universe, 
he is a mutant. He is a white guy. First appeared in X-Men, well, excuse me, New X-Men, the first series, number 134. Quentin's powers and abilities are that he has advanced cognitive and telepathic abilities, which enable him to organize and construct his thoughts at the accelerated rates. He is overtly or covertly, he can manipulate the minds of others. He can res uh, resist mind probes like, you know, telepaths trying to get in his head and figure out what's going on. Um, and he can disable other forms of psychic manipulation, which, I mean, his he, he exhibited some of his powers in this story. And to my, to the credit of my research, um, I found that a lot of his powers manifest in the color pink, which, of course, is very interesting, you know, since... A lot of times that is seen as a feminine color although it began as a masculine color but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole um but it's just i've never seen or don't say never not that i can recall i haven't seen a male character whose powers manifest in any color being pink and i appreciated that but i don't know if it's because his hair is pink or if it's just because that's how it manifests Either way, I thought that was a very nice and interesting sight, a nice thing that they did with the character. Um, let's see. Now, there's another character, Benjamin Deeds, who is from, of course, uh, a mutant in the Marvel Comics universe. Benjamin being different from the other mutants, where a lot of times you your powers manifest through trauma or through puberty when you're young. His, however, manifests um, when he was an average college student at the University of Texas at Austin. His mutants manifested during a pro-mutant rally on campus, and the media and other students seemed to welcome him with open arms. Um, the run that I read him in is when he was with the Stepford Cuckoos, the Emma and Cyclops-led slash Magneto-led um, kind of resistance group. He was very interesting in there. He's an artist as well. So, um, yeah, there's that. <laughs> so get into Morph. And lastly, we have the new guy. New to the point where this is his first issue. And that is Hindsight. Hindsight is a Mr. Nathaniel Carver. Um, let me see. His powers and abilities are Hindsight is a mutant who has displayed the following powers. One, Psychometry. 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 <laughs> one of them. Pick which one sounds good to you, and that's the one we're going to go with. Um, when Hindsight makes skin-to-skin -skin contact with another, he can psychically see glimpses of their past. Um, now, that was exhibited in Generation X number one that we're covering today, and it was very hmm, rogue-esque. I like this idea of skin-to-skin -skin contact being the thing that activates a certain mutant powers um in this day and age where social media is all the rave and you can connect to anyone with you know a couple key strikes um i think that that's a very interesting and very unique power a lot of times we're you know not to get uh i don't know whatever on you but we're a little separated or removed people say things online that they wouldn't normally say in person and you know you just have this confidence and everything else but when it comes down to that intimate human reaction be it skin to skin or just a polite conversation a lot of times there's people with anxieties that make that difficult there's people who just don't like to talk to others then there's you know there's any number of things that can make things personal interactions go haywire and that was 
I'm going to state that Nathaniel's powers are um, symbolic of that. So <laughs> you heard it here, folks, kids, on the Carefree Black Nerd podcast. Um, yeah, so that's the cast. O- other than that, we do have Jubilation Lee, who I personally feel like we don't need to go over. She is, you know, she is legend. She's iconic. You know, she is. I'm going to say the Britney Spears of Generation X. That's not the, that's not, I didn't mean to insult either one. Um, okay, let's see. Now the cast is done. We also have, uh, as a little guest appearance, we have Kitty Catherine, Pry- or Cat- Catherine Kitty Pride. Jeez, <laughs> words. Um, so with Generation X, number one, we start off in Central Park, the wonderful beautiful neighborhood of Central Park. <laughs> in here, um, there is Jubilee kind of reflecting on her life. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I always thought I'd have my life together at some point. Um, she's running across Central Park yelling for who else? Her beautiful baby boy, Shogo. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jubilee has been through several transformations throughout her run, um, even just as recently as the last 10 years. And she now is the mother of a little Asian baby, Shogo. Um, That storyline, I believe, came about back in the X-Men run a few years back where there was the all-woman team led by Storm. Um, It was Storm, Rogue, Psylocke, Jubilee, M. I feel like I'm missing someone. But yeah, she got a baby. (laughs) So she's chasing after this baby with her inner uh, dialogue like okay this is what's going on blah blah whatever it's a very touching scene and I could see this played out um, on camera and it'd be great what I do like about Jubilee is that they're keeping her in this yellow jacket it's updated it's more of a members only slash kind of bomber jacket all yellow and it's like where do you even get something like that (laughs) but I love it Um, she does look the part of this young 20 something in 2017 you know in New York so it's like her look only updated pink earrings and everything um so she's looking for her baby and she's yelling oh where are you Shogo where are you um she says she (laughs) I get (laughs) I think I get now why people buy their kids those cute little animal backpacks with the leashes then she turns to the camera (laughs) not that I'd ever actually get one because that'd be awful right Jono with that being said, the last part, right, Jono, <laughs> was referring to and introducing Jonathan Startmore, the British uh, mutant from the first run of Generation X. One of my favorites, actually. He was the dark, brooding, emo, rock band, um, British bad boy-esque tortured soul that I just absolutely loved reading him on panel, and I loved watching his powers visually as it was literally fire that burst from his chest that could only be contained by these leather vests or straps that went from his navel up to his nose like Jonathan great so it was nice to see an old generation X member in on camera or on panel uh yeah so we go forward they find Shogo Shogo pulls that uh Jonathan's uh, oversized scarf that he's wearing in the middle of the springtime and release the fire from Jonathan's mouth and I like this because Jonathan doesn't show up for long in this book 
but that was a good way to one introduce him uh, speak his name so that of course if you're interested you can go back and find him show his powers very quickly and um, then move on it was like kind of the perfect cameo um, let's see so then you know Jubilee picks up the baby and she leaves they um, head into the Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach there where we have a brood um, tour guide <laughs> who gives the history of the Xavier Institute and that history goes as follows destroyed in 2008 the Institute was rebuilt and renamed the Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters before being relocated here to Seneca <clears throat> excuse me to Central Park rechristened the Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach this most recent incarnation acts as an embassy as well as a school for all the purposes of building stronger ties between humans and the next generation of mutants um i appreciated this part this i tell you strain did a damn good job at hitting all the key points like you pick up this first issue and you already know like there's no need for backstory there's honestly and as much as it pains me to say it there's no need to even know about the generation x the first run honestly there's not because this book is mm, so different from it but it is for me it's like a really well done reboot of like a movie or like a or like kind of how creed was to the rocky saga like even if you didn't see any of the rocky movies but you watch creed Sylvester stallone in that movie he doesn't take you out of the story he adds to it but there's no need to you don't have to know about the rest now if you know about the history that's fine that's good but creed was a good movie on its own same thing here only a few pages in and i can tell you that me personally i think generation x is a really good book so far um mainly one of my biggest issues is that um in the background of the panels that we've read so far you see a lot of different people young guys young girls walking around now the xavier institute is located in central park although it's still central park there's still people walking around there all that being said a lot of these students who we see on campus are not just blonde haired blue-eyed white men and women we have these kind of hipster looking guys we have asian people we have a homeless guy here on the bench there's a black girl with what looks like an afro that misty knight would wear <laughs> um not and this isn't even including the main mutants who were following through the story uh in the panel with the brood who's reading off the history of the xavier institute there is front and center this beautiful black girl with i don't know if she has locks i'm assuming these are locks they look like they could possibly be braids but they're locks and you like it's man mm. but all that being said enter who else but hindsight um and we get a very very classic looking um scene where a telepath bumps into someone and it's one of the cuckoo sisters and i'm hoping i'm saying that's right well um nathaniel and phoebe bump into each other she's now sporting a rich red um mane on her head and he gets a flashback of i guess how she was created because i'm not entirely sure how that is anyone who knows and can give me the the issues or at least a summary of how the cuckoo sisters came to be um let me know 
Twitter, uh, email, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com or carefreeblurred. Well, he has a little flashback and they have a psychic conversation. And this <laughs> girl, in very mean girl's fashion, <laughs> she reads his mind psychically and says, you're welcome. He says, what for? She said, for calling in the cavalry. And by cavalry, I mean mean, sad nerds. <laughs> Nathaniel Carver, meet Benjamin Deeds, your classmate. And, uh, <laughs> and enter Benjamin Deeds. Um, Benjamin, I always thought was an Asian guy, but he is, I believe, a white guy. That doesn't take away from the story, just for representation purposes. I'd like to mention that. Um, next scene, we enter Jubilee going into headmaster kitty pride's office and i'll say they have katherine kitty pride looking a bit up there in age now um i think in x-men continuity maybe she's like late 30s i would imagine but she looks like a very mature like you know 40 something not saying that 40 is old but just in the timeline of the x-men she just looks older in this book than she does in the X-Men Prime or Gold or whichever one she's running. Um, so yeah, she sits down with Jubilee. You know, Jubilee's still a vampire. Funny little, uh, <laughs> I don't know, little joke here or play visual plays is that she pulls out a bottle and hands it to Shogo, but it's a bottle <laughs> filled with blood because of course she's a vampire and needs blood to live. And then switches it. Last minute gives him the right bottle. Cute. All in all, I don't want to give a play-by-play -play of the story. I feel like this right here is kind of enough. Um, it's a very, mm, I don't want to say slow. It's not a slow story. It's not, I'm, I'm holding on to the nostalgia of the first Generation X run in the very first issue, which was fast-paced, had a lot of action, and was like a two-parter. This does have a cliffhanger at the end they do a really good job at showing you the powers of these characters and making it very natural it doesn't come off as hey this girl does this watch her do this stuff and look at him do all these things like no it's really i think they did a really good job and it's in keeping with x-men lore um so yes yeah, so i won't get too far into that because i'd really like for you all to read this first issue even if you don't go past it read the first one for me so we can talk about this online. Um, I'll say Roxy shows up, and I'm unclear as to if she can revert back to her African-American form, because Roxy, every time I've seen her, she has always been in this stone version of herself. And that gives me pause, because I would like to see what Roxy, Roxanne Washington, looks like as an African-American woman. Um... But I'm sure there's an, an analogy there for something, and I don't want to erase anybody's um, whatever this is alluding to. Uh, let's see, skip forward a little bit more. Towards the end, there is, it kind of picks up within the last two pages, and it's something that I'm looking forward to getting the second part of this story to see how this plays out. So we're going to stop there with covering Generation X the first issue the content of the issue and uh actually has um anyone and i'm speaking <laughs> as if you guys could speak back has anyone under the sound of my voice watched the 90s the 1990s um generation x fox made for tv movie 
Tonight, Fox presents a world premiere motion picture from the creators of the hit comic book series, The X-Men Comes Generation X. They've got the power. They've got the technology. They're the new generation of superheroes. And they're coming. To save the world. You can't win. I need some help out here, God! Get ready for Generation X on the Fox Tuesday Night Movie. Yeah, that was the uh, trailer <laughs> for the Generation X made-for-TV movie that came out in the 90s. And being such a young child, a lot of the stuff ran together to me. Looking back on it, um, I want to say the Generation X book premiered, and then like shortly after that's when the made-for-TV movie showed up. It <coughs> was apparently trash. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. You'll find... <laughs> look online. Anything you find that's a review of the movie will be trash. No one liked it. <laughs> and nobody who reviewed it anyways. I did. But I like campy, cheesy stuff. And, you know, I have, um, I guess, tunnel vision when it comes to that movie. Because for me, someone who grew up on Generation X... To see a Generation X live action film, even though it was a made-for-TV movie, and even though they fucked up a lot of stuff, mainly, jubilationly, being a white woman and not an Asian woman, whatever, um, it I could overlook those minor things, because when I was a kid, and two, I was seeing the book that I was reading on screen, so um, we do give credit uh, to Blade as being the grandfather of this thing, this live action thing. But, you know, truth be told and quiet as it's kept, Fox and Marvel may want to uh, hope that we forget about it, but Generation X was the first live action um, property that premiered, and even though it didn't do well, it still was the first. I later found out that, which makes sense with the way it ended, that Generation X was supposed to be a pilot for a series, but I'm so pissed because it was such a good property, and they got the costumes right and everything, even though they switched out certain characters because back in the 90s, they just didn't have the budget to do these visual... I don't know, transformations that would be needed for Husk and Chamber at the very least. Um, I do wish that they would like remaster and update this movie, even if you just make it into like a documentary, you know, and go back and interview the characters. Because I want to say the guy, and I could be lying, and I probably am, but they look similar. The guy who played. Uh, the sync character, the no, excuse me, Mondo, the black guy, Hawaiian guy, rather, um, is the same guy who plays Chuck on Welcome to Riverdale, on Riverdale, which, I don't know, I could be wrong. Either way, so what? They look alike. Um, all in all, I think this would be a great time to take the current Generation X cast, even though I think that they're not as great as the first, but, you know, um, and put them on screen and do a reboot of the Generation X now. I mean, we have Gifted, which is coming up, and for me, it's just another movie, property, TV show about some white people having their own white problems, which amounts to nothing but some privilege because you can shoot fire from your hands or whatever. Like, um, that's the my biggest gripe when it comes down to these properties. I do, however, feel like Generation X's current run 
though there are no black people, no dark-skinned people, there are characters of color. Um, I do appreciate that in that there is uh, two Asian women, which is great right there. Um, Bling is an African-American woman, but she presents as a stone-skinned, colored woman. And um, that's great because that's her power set, but the fact that she doesn't transform any little kid, any adult, or anyone unfamiliar with the character who sees her on the pages will more than likely assume the default, which is that she's a white person, which I have my issues there. Um, that's really my biggest issue with Generation X. There are other small gripes with the uh, the new comic, one being that Jubilee is a vampire, but where the hell does she get this blood from? Like, the blood that was in the bottle that she almost gave to her baby, where did that come from? <laughs> I'm not sure that's ever been addressed, that Jubilee is a vampire. Does she go to a blood bank? Does she have something worked out with another mutant? Does she do the uh, Twilight thing where she only takes the blood of animals? Like, what? where does she get this from? Um, also, how in the hell, <laughs> how in the entire hell is she walking around in direct sunlight? with short sewn, short sleeves, tank tops. I get that this is fiction and this is the Marvel Universe and fantastic things happen, but it'd be nice to get a little bit of explanation as to why this girl <laughs> could walk around as her regular self. Um, also, I wish there'd be a little bit more visual cues like her smiling or speaking and showing her vampire fangs. In this book, I saw one panel that kind of showed sharper teeth um with her being a vampire it would be nice if she would um have a little bit more visual cues because the other reason is i can't recall a property at all where i've seen asian vampires i've seen black i've seen white i've seen you know scottish and all that other stuff but i can't recall and there may be out there just for me personally i can't remember at this time seeing an asian vampire let alone an asian lady vampire um, what else? Oh, uh, I just remember my mistake. I did say that Quentin Choir is the only guy with pink powers that I've seen, but of course, Gambit, his powers manifest as a light red, pinkish hue, so, you know, that's there. All in all, at the end of the day, take a shot. <laughs> um, I think this is a very good book. I am hopeful that it will improve with every issue and that it will stay consistent and that we won't just have these pale colored kids running around um, and we'll get a mix of others. Um, I guess my one other concern or question or whatever is that Generation X exists within the Xavier Institute that is relocated to Seneca Village. <laughs> I mean, Central Park. Generation X, the first run was at the Massachusetts Academy away from the Xavier Institute. That's how they were able to operate independently. Um, now I'm concerned, my biggest concern is what adventures do you go on? What stories do you tell with Generation X solely being Generation X but existing under the same roof as X-Men Prime and Gold and all that? It. I'm interested to see how it's done but reading this first issue and looking at the cover for the second one I don't know that that's the thing that might bring me out of it a little bit um, 
but yeah all in all I think it's a really good book and I encourage everyone to go pick it up um yeah cause uh that's my team <laughs> so yeah so that'll be it I'll wrap up this issue of Carefree Black Nerd here try to contain my fanboyness keep my black boy joy to myself right now and um <laughs> again pick up this book no but um we can keep this conversation going always as always and as usual email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com go ahead and hit me on that twitters at carefreeblurred um when you listen to this episode live tweet it you know hit me with the hashtag cbn pod let me know what you thought about it um thoughts feelings emotions that are invoked if you hate this group if you're tired of hearing me talking about them say that but i'll let you know right now that does not gosh damn matter because i will continue to report on generation x as i said before that is my favorite comic in all of the history of comics (laughs) um yeah so that's that carefree black nerd is available on itunes and soundcloud new issues premiere on sunday afternoons at carefreeblacknerd.com Please visit carefreeblacknerd.com to download past issues and subscribe to future issues of Carefree Black Nerd. Um, please rate and review on iTunes, like, share, and comment on SoundCloud. Give me a little five-star review, put a little note on it. Uh, let me know that you love me as much as I love you all, these faithful listeners. And um, as usual, as always, stay carefree, stay nerdy, 